Hello and welcome to the Boltbird and Kemp Free Speech Podcast. My name is Victoria Oliver and I am head of the spinal injury team here at Boltbird and Kemp. And today I am joined by Tom Baker. Tom is the winner of our Design the Change competition. Welcome, Tom. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. So for those listeners who don't know, we run our Design the Change competition every other year And it's aimed at university students, and the brief is very simple. We ask the students to design something that will improve the lives of someone with a spinal cord injury. And that brief is deliberately wide because we want to invite the students to think about any and every aspect of day-to-day life, including sports, the home environment, the workplace environment, In our eyes, there really are no limits. So, Tom, you were a product design student at Sheffield Hallam University. You've graduated now and you did the competition as part of your third year. So what were your initial thoughts about the brief? Um, So I guess to begin with was how wide the brief was. So obviously we're focusing on people um, living with spinal cord injuries, but the actual brief in terms of specifying our product was just completely out there so that you could go down any avenue in terms of looking at the day-to-day living of just the person or their environment or other stakeholders in sort of their everyday living that might be affected by a parent or a relation that is living with a spinal cord injury. So I guess it was just starting to narrow down from that an aspect of life where we could find an issue or a pain point that a product could potentially then solve. Mm. So, like for myself, that was looking in the end at, at childcare. So, going through YouTube videos, there's lots of documentation online of people with blogs living with spinal cord injuries. And just looking at those and starting to pick up points of their lives where they're improvising with homemade add ons or improvised products that they've made themselves mm-hmm. that actually are not that best suited or not completely optimised to help them in their lives, Mm -hmm. that potentially the expertise that comes with product design could just boost so that that product is, one, available to more people and is commercially viable, Mm -hmm. Um, and and two, is is completely optimised so that it's only helping them and not sort of detracting from their day-to-day lives in in, in any way possible. Mm -hmm. So what was your winning design? So, yeah, so I touched on a bit about childcare. So I ended up looking at independent travel for a ch- uh, someone living with a spinal cord injury with um, an infant. So uh, sort of gap in the market seemed to spot was that there's very little that's been done to allow someone with a spinal cord injury to travel independently with an infant in, in their wheelchair. So people were using things like T-shirts to sort of bungee a child to their seat or mm-hmm. bungee cords over a wheelchair um, harness. It just struck me that there must be a way with all of the technology that's out there for, for push chairs and wheelchairs, of sort of bringing these two together with a fairly viable, commercially appropriate solution that could make this safer for both occupants, mm-hmm. both the children and, and the wheelchair um, user. So that sort of led to me going beyond the blogs and the online blogs and starting to look at what was available in the market, both in, in terms of child transportation, so push chairs, mm-hmm. uh, wheel, uh, push chairs predominantly, and then also looking at wheelchairs um, and, and the technology that's existing there and how these two could be brought together and potentially reasons why this hadn't already been done. And 
In relation to why it hadn't already been done, where did, what did you find out there? So I think the first thing to be honest about is, is that, especially with disability aids, is what struck me straight away is the cost around it. So things can be relatively simple to make, but in terms of then um, the legality side of things, that can be quite expensive mm. and quite a restrictive area of the design process. Equally, however, I did sort of feel sometimes that there was other projects that had started to try and solve this issue that just hadn't then gained the traction in terms of recognition. Obviously, whilst there are lots of people living with spinal cord injuries and lots of people that are wheelchair users, it is still quite a niche market yeah. that doesn't seem to attract necessarily the commercial interest of, mm -hmm. of larger organisations. So maybe that was sort of an area that was, is, is holding it back. Um, which is why any sort of recognition like the BBK competition, anything that can push that to gain recognition from some of these larger organisations or just, just, just to start to pose a question to a larger audience can only be beneficial in terms of pushing this forward in the future. No, I agree completely. So to try and give the listeners a sort of mental, mental picture of your design, you have... You have a frame that attaches to the wheelchair. Yes. And then you've used sort of universal uh, adaptation so that people can then use any type of wheel, so any type of car seat, for example, that you can buy that then attaches on. Is yeah. that right? Yeah, that's correct. So the product is fairly simple. It is, like you say, it's a frame with a one fixed wheel at the front that, that, that pivots that connects directly onto the wheelchair around sort of the, the, uh, the, the leg zone. Of, of, of a wheelchair, of a manual wheelchair, and then uses the existing sort of isofix fixings, which are universal across all baby seats, to allow a baby seat to be taken, say, from a car or just from the home and securely fixed into the frame, just using, you know, as I say, the existing fixings um, so that it's really um, familiar for the user to interact with. There's, the whole idea was that this is a really simple sort of middleman between the wheelchair and, and the baby seat. Mm -hmm. How can we make that as familiar as possible for predominantly the wheelchair user to interact with because obviously the baby is just in the seat mm -hmm. but it's the wheelchair user that's interacting so again things like the clips that fasten it to the wheelchair are existing clips that are used as part of a freewheel system so actually there'll be some people that are already familiar with using those clips from other add-ons that they've already they already own so that interaction point's really familiar there's nothing new there and also it's existing so we're not having to develop anything new or tool anything new so costs are kept down mm -hmm. and then equally the um the interaction point for securing the, the chance is also existing and therefore doesn't need to be reworked remanufactured keeps costs down but also predominantly both have been tested already and are very safe so i i will i will say actually when i saw your design it really resonated with me because when i was a new parent and i bought a car seat and then i bought a buggy system and then I realised actually that there was something in between, that there was a way that I could just take my car seat out and attach it to the buggy frame. That, as a new parent, that was quite life-changing because I realised I didn't have to be constantly moving the baby. And the fact that you've actually created that option for wheelchair users, I think, is fantastic. Mm. And from memory of having a, a look at your design, you you mentioned in, in your... Um, submission actually the idea of trying to make it more sustainable by actually 
having it as as was it like as a rentable option was that something you suggested yeah so it was in terms of looking at routes to market i guess mm. again sort of looking at the commercial side of this being such a restricted area a restrictive area within disability design is instead of just sort of designing this and then saying right we'll just sell it direct to consumer which is an option people could just pay the money and buy it and then own it outright but actually trying to make this more yeah as you say sustainable for both retailers to take on as something that's commercially viable for them Mm. but also to make it more attractive to to users it's no it's no secret that these things you know disability add-ons are really really expensive and equally when you look at the amount of time that this um products will need to be used if someone has one child they'll maybe need this for three years Mm -hmm. and then the child obviously starts to walk outgrows needing a a push chair or an add-on and therefore the product is no longer needed by them so instead of that being a, a huge investment for them that then after three years is 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 not needed could there be a way that this becomes sort of a bit of a service where say a retailer will take on the product and um, users can come along when they need it and, and rent it say monthly mm-hmm. or pay yearly um, and at the end of that term they return it back to the retailer so they've, they've used their time with it and it's returns not mm-hmm. cluttering up their house they're not having to worry about selling it and then the retailer can service it. It's very simply built. It's using existing parts, so it can be serviced and maintained to be safe. And then can be relet to someone who needs it next and to the next user. So it's still making money and it's still commercially viable for people to use. And it's still benefiting as many people as need it. It's not being locked off just to one person. Mm-hmm. It's available to whoever wants it. But for both ends, it's hopefully more attractive in terms of some of the finances behind it. I do love that you really looked at the commercial viability side of things because I do think that's so important. As you say, so many disability aids and equipment, they come with such a high price tag Mm. that it makes it incredibly difficult for people to get them. Um, One thing I wanted to loop back to is you mentioned, obviously, that it's for a manual wheelchair what was it you found out that meant that you couldn't make it so that it was for electric wheelchairs as well? Yeah, so in terms of my research, a lot of it based around markets was just, I just took it based on what the UK market's offering. So of course, this could be used internationally, mm-hmm. but for the purpose of my research, I did just base it around the UK. So one area way back at the very start, just as I started to pick up these initial insights on people using their own sort of aids and their own add-ons, was to look at potentially a reason why not is the legality behind um, road safety mm-hmm. and some of the legislation behind wheelchair users wheeling on, on pavements and whatnot. I know this is a really hot topic at the moment with, say, the electric scooters yeah. around insurance and in terms of what is roadworthy. So it was just looking in the end, I think it was through the Department for Transport, mm-hmm. has some legislation surrounding specifically powered wheelchairs stating that they're not effectively allowed to have anything added on that would would introduce another party to mm-hmm. the powered wheelchair. So, i.e., it's only designed for the sole user, mm-hmm. and therefore anyone else being added to that is not safe, mm-hmm. and therefore it goes against legislation. Mm-hmm. However, what it doesn't state about is the use of manual wheelchairs. Mm-hmm. So, effectively through that, I've proved that my product can be is is fine to be used with a manual wheelchair. Mm-hmm. Sadly, it can't be used for a powered wheelchair. But there's not a great deal that can be done about that because the legislation just doesn't allow it well i thought your design was fantastic 
but I wasn't one of the judges. I thought it might be nice to read out a few of the comments that we got from the judges um, and also to use this opportunity to just say a huge thank you to all the judges that did give us their time. So our judges were Dr. Ross Head from the Cerebra Innovation Centre, Davy Jose, who was an ambassador for the Stoke Mandeville Spinal Research Charity, Ian Hosking from the Stoke Mandeville Maulers Wheelchair Rugby Team, and we had Lady Marie Dawson, Malcolm and Claire Martin, both of whom were from the Spinal Injuries Association. So Dr Head, he said he loved your design work, your creativity and working prototypes. Um, you showed great user-guided research all the way through to real-world testing. Lady Marie thought your winning design will reach across all sections of the disability community, not just SCI. And I think that's a really valid point. Obviously, the competition is looking specifically at people with spinal cord injury, but your design would go beyond that community. And Ian Hoskin was impressed that you had tried to put yourself in the position of a chair user and that he could tell that from your research that you had taken on board that not all wheelchairs are the same. And so that was a big tick um, in Ian's book. So one of the other questions that I had for you was whether the competition has changed the way that you think about design from an accessibility perspective. Yeah, absolutely. I'd say pretty hugely, to be honest. And I think it goes back to one of the quotes there that um, was from Dr. Uh, Ross Head talking specifically about prototyping. Uh, that was a huge part. I know I've talked a lot about the commercial and the legal side of things, but in terms of product design, that's where the bulk of my time was spent, realistically, to develop the actual product. And we, I did a lot of prototyping um, with about th three major prototype, working prototypes just interacting with a wheelchair obviously something completely new to me it's not something I've, I've designed around before and it's not an area that I've designed to before so again I think it was one of the other quotes talking about trying to understand a, you know a day in the life say of, of, of someone living with a spinal cord injury using a wheelchair who's then also got the addition of a child and then looking at physically what they needed and in terms of things like leg clearance around their legs so that this thing was comfortable to to travel with but also taking into consideration um safety aspects like still being able to reach into the child's seat even if someone's um, pelvis is strapped to the wheelchair for, for core stability mm -hmm. that they can still reach a child's mouth to say um, prevent choking hazards mm -hmm. Uh, and then also just looking at how the thing would turn as well so that there's no fixed axle so that this is still as manoeuvrable as possible for someone in a wheelchair to, to travel with. Right back to then also looking at materials, so specifying aluminium so that you know, we're not going over budget in terms of using something like carbon fibre, but we're still considering that this thing is, needs to be as light as possible to be as beneficial to the user. So these were all aspects of design which I will consider in all products, but... It was just very interesting to, to, to really step back and look at how these can benefit such a specific user to, to, to better their life. Mm -hmm. And I definitely will carry that forward more in terms of future design processes where it's just not always considered or it's just, you know, you're just taking the, the, the bulk use case scenario. Um, 
and even just in day-to-day life like you know i've got the train here and it was like i've maybe said about this before looking at the ramp to get on, on and off a train and seeing how awkward that was and it's just like actually this is all around us there's, there's problems yeah wherever we go that product design could surely so simply and potentially quite quickly just make that that little bit easier for both parties to be involved with whether it's the train conductor putting the ramp down or someone using the ramp you know it's just another example where there's so much opportunity so I guess yeah massively opened my eyes to the point that I'm now just walking around picking up things that potentially could be could be improved and uh, and worked on to to make the world more accessible for, for all really. Well that makes me incredibly happy because the the competition is one of my passion projects because I do believe really strongly that one of the ways that we could make the world better and more accessible is by sort of targeting students who are going to be the future of design and opening their eyes to the fact that this should be in, this should be considered and it should just be an automatic consideration in anything that's designed um and i do i think we'll get there we might have a little way to go yet but i do think we'll get there so one other thing if i'm right your design has also been recognized um was it a, a recent competition or a recent fair you you sort of showcased it at yeah so it was new designers uh, 2023 um a few weeks ago in london at the design business center so i was able to exhibit my project there so, so the, the wheelchair buggy was exhibited for uh, the full four days of the show with the recognition obviously from bbk already um, it gained some traction really quickly in terms of lots of interest. I spoke to lots of people from all areas, from family technology design to disability design. You know, even people from just automotive realms were interested. Obviously, this is a form of transport, and um, and, and and even better, yeah, it was gaining um, sort of recognition in terms of some uh, runner-up awards. So, for example, um, Kenwood uh, recognised it with their Love It Award, which um, was part of a short list of six throughout the, the whole show. And they were really positive with their feedback. And then also the team at um, the James Dyson Award recognised it as being something that could be entered into their competition. So it's just little bits like that, any any sort of t- bits of recognition and, and obviously the, sort of the social media publicity that came from that. Whilst, you know, say for me personally, it, it's good because I'm behind, behind, behind the product. Actually, in terms of just pushing, it's, that's what it needs to, to get this out there. This is an issue that needs fixing. Mm-hmm. Is any recognition like that it's not really for me it's in terms of pushing it for this product it's such a gap it's such an issue for people living with spinal cord injuries that actually the more knowledge that we can get out there that this is an area that needs to be fixed and people are i don't you know i don't have to spend much time explaining to people that it needs fixing they Mm -hmm. kind of look at the product have a look at a couple of bits of the paperwork i put out and they just start nodding their head like why doesn't this exist this is so obvious but yeah, it's been great, and, and not that I can say a great deal, but there's there's definitely still things in the pipeline that potentially can happen with this to push it forward to hopefully just even just raising more awareness, let alone any sort of physical outcome that can come from it. Well, that's exciting. So if we had any current students who are listening, would you encourage them if we, well, not if, when we run the competition again, would you encourage them to get involved, to submit their ideas? Absolutely, yeah, 100%. I mean, I guess I was set this as part of my, my uni work, so I started off and, you know, I got told about the competition and some of the, and the prizes and some of the opportunities that would come from that. And I guess at the time you don't think much of that and you just think, oh, well, I'll give it a shot and see what happens. And then before you know it, you're into the project and you've found this area. And there is so much opportunity. You know, you, I remember feeling overwhelmed by the brief to start with. Like, wow, it's just 
there's so much that I could do here. But that's the beauty of it is there is so much. Like I just said, even like observations just in terms of out and about, you can already pick up ideas. And from that, very quickly, and this is when I look at my project, is it's, it's quite basic, really. It's not overly complex. It's relatively straightforward. It's solving a very simple problem. And as a result, you know, it, it got recognised for that. It didn't need to reinvent the wheel. It just was something that was solving an issue that is blatantly obvious um, in terms of disability design. So, yeah, 100% definitely recommend getting involved and submitting because, you know, the outcome whatever the outcome is, can be you know, highly beneficial to yourself, obviously, but also in terms of just publicising and pushing some more recognition for this area. Wonderful. Well, as I said, we will be running the competition again. We run it every other year. So the starting date will be September 2024. Um, so lots of time for people to, to start thinking about it. Um, so that just leaves me to say, I think, congratulations once again, Tom. Thank, Thank you. you for taking part. Thank you for coming up with such an amazing design. Um, and thank you for joining me today. No, thank you very much. Thank you to all of the team at Botburn Kemp and to the judges as well for recognising it. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening. You can catch the BBK Free Speech Podcast on all listening platforms. Goodbye. <laughs>